In this episode, Rich and I talk about the history of Gen Con and kind of how it got to be the biggest gaming convention in the world. So without further ado, we'll get started. You are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page, or on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Quick reminder, we are doing a giveaway. I've got a 3D printed monster, a gray render, super interesting creature and kind of hard to come by, honestly. In order to enter into win, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Once we get to 20 reviews, we're going to roll a die and see who wins. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I'm joined by the righteous Rich Wisniewski. Dude, thanks for quoting out my righteous bard skills, man. I know that's what that adjective was relating to, was my 17th level bardic druid wizard that I've been playing in my latest game. He's righteous. He is... um... He's an amalgamation of talents (laughs) that don't seem to make a lot of sense, but somehow you make it work. That's right. (laughs) And he rocks on. How do you, how do you, do you just start your games at like 15th level or do you like grind that from first? Oh man, you grind baby. Yeah. Do you you sleep at night? I don't sleep at night. I'm on roll 20. (laughs) You just sit there and like random encounter, random encounter. All right. Random encounter says, I have a CR3 fight. Roll random monster. Boom. All right, we're fighting that monster. <laughs> and then you when just, you die, you got to start all over again, man. You just single player, random encounter your way through Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. Solo adventures. I love it. I love it. That's the right way to do it, for reals. Um, okay, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking Gen Con. Oh, our favorite love. I know. Even though we're going to Origins and we go to Cost... Oh, I have CostCon this year. Probably one of the yeah. greatest conventions ever. I'll be at CostCon up in Pennsylvania. So, yeah. But Gen Con holds a special place in our heart. Yes. So today, I really want to talk about the history of Gen Con. I feel like Ooh. we've done a lot of really cool survival guides, but... You know, a lot of the people that we've attracted are new to Gen Con because they're listening to all the survival guides and they may not know all the cool history that made this the biggest gaming convention on the planet with like 60,000 people. How did it even get there? I know. And you know what? Maybe some of those people missed the agricultural hall that was recreated space wise at Gen Con 50. Right. Well, that was what? Two years ago, it's, yeah. it's 2000. Was it Gen Con 50? Two years ago, when was Gen Con 50? Well, I'm glad we yeah. did our research. Hold on, <laughs> yeah. So, we are <laughs> they all blend together, Dave? I'm they really so do. many, they're all 50. That was in 2017, so that okay. was that was two years ago. We're about to come up on three years ago with 2019, no, 2017, 2018. Can I count? So, it is 2019 right now, okay. Yes. It was two years ago. Yes. If you're newer to Gen Con, or maybe you heard of the Horticultural Center inside of Lucas Oil and were like, eh, what? Moving on. Not an event I'm going to. 
you know, this is this is one of those things that I think that it's it's an old enough convention that I don't know. There's there's a lot of cool history here that is it's out there. There's a there's a book on it. There's a, oh, a book really? called Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a book called 40 Years of Gen Con that if you want to like really get in depth, go read the book. There's this really handy website, Best 50 Years of Gaming that or Best 50 Years in Gaming that has tons of information, but if you're like me and you prefer to absorb information through podcast, this is the oh, way to be. And by the way, I was completely wrong. It was horticultural hall. Mm. Where did I get agricultural hall? I mean, it horticulture and agriculture are... They kind of have culture involved. <laughs> they, they both involve plants. Culture club. Do you really want to hurt me? Um, edit that, by the way. Edit, yeah, we're gonna have to pay edit. for that part. Thanks, yeah, thanks, right. thanks a lot, I, I kept. We're gonna Jeez. get. We're gonna get copy struck, and all the money <laughs> we made so from this is now gonna go to them. But yes, I. Uh, it's horticultural hall. So yep. if you listen to our podcast, just be sure to listen a little bit longer always to get the corrections. After, <laughs> after we say something, we think about it and we go, we're wrong. Um, but yes, Horticultural Hall was the place and it was really neat how small it was. Like, yeah, it was, it was baby small. It yeah. was like, uh, I think a room, like a big cafeteria. Like it was a little bigger than Witch Witch. I just went to Witch Witch and it was a little bigger than Witch Witch. You know what I mean? It was like, holy crap, how many people really showed up to this thing? Think think of like a subway and a strip mall yeah. and then just, you know, add add 100 feet to it. <laughs> and probably stinky bathrooms because no matter how oh small or big these cons are, they have stinky bathrooms. So, so I have to think it probably did too. So the first thing, yeah, it's in, it started off in this little teeny tiny place. It was in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And that's where it gets its name, Lake Geneva Gen from Geneva Gen Con. That's how this whole con got its name is because of where it was located around this little teeny tiny lake. Oh, like Geneva Con. But yeah. Gen Con. Right, oh, right, yeah. And history. in the research of this, I was really surprised to find out that Gen Con predates everything it predates what freaking magic it predates dnd i knew it predated magic but i didn't mm. know it predated dnd so uh, ladies and gentlemen back in the day there wasn't such a thing as role-playing games there were board games right we talked about milton bradley at one point in his lith- lithography machine and there were war games right there have been war games mm-hmm. since the dawn since of time war. like yeah exactly yeah Gary Gygax and all of his buds were a part of a war gaming society where they, you know, did Revolutionary War, Napoleonic Wars, you know, the Civil War. You know, they did. All right. So they, I got to call like I got to call into question. Did they really play those? Or are you just generically saying those are the ones they played? I, I remember seeing a picture of Gygax having like a Revolutionary War, like little army of like little redcoats. Sweet. I know they played a lot of fantasy war with like knights and stuff like that. They had little miniatures for those kinds of things. And that's where eventually D&D came from. But they're, they started as a wargaming club local in Wisconsin. And then there was a national chapter. I don't remember what it's called, but there's some national chapter of wargamers and they wanted to do a convention. And through whatever mechanization, they decided to do it in Wisconsin with Gary Gygax and his group. And, and I learned that during, I learned also something you just mentioned during the 50th 
while I was checking things out and talking to people at the horticultural hall mm. <laughs> that you're, that it was, it was like 1968, which was years before we got our first D and D. And I say we, as in the general Queens, we, that it was, you know, released after that date. Before then, I always thought Gen Con was a D&D thing to where right. as all these anime people and all these other folks show up, I'm like, it's an RPG thing. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not an well, RPG thing. It was actually something before it was an RPG thing. Yeah. And it's it's gone through several iterations. I So this website, Best 50 Years in Gaming, has a really cool like chart. You oh, can really? see the very first con in 68 and you can see they had two events they had combat in the skies and naval combat those were the two events they had an air the an airplane fighting game and they had a boat fighting game dude i'm really kind of sad it wasn't combat in the skies and then combat in the water that would have just been great why (laughs) did they have to get so specific on the second one but maybe (laughs) maybe i messed up the title i probably messed up go check the titles because that would have been great combat in the skies combat in the water those are our two events all right program database year 1968 number events two oh my gosh i messed everything up see everyone just listen a little longer and we correct everything we say Go on. That's right. Don't at us. Just keep yes. listening. Um, fight in this, guys, was event number one. Event number two, naval gaming. Damn it. They, they, could, they could have totally said fight in the water and kept, well, I that, mean, you kept know, it themed. You know, I kind of like naval gaming because it's very close to naval gazing. No. And, like, if you say it wrong, everybody thinks you're just, like, kind of, you know, looking down at your little belly button. But that reminds me of Armageddon when... Um, <laughs> The, you know, the one guy, Aerosmith's daughter is laying there and the other guy Jesus. from Will, from Will, the one about Will, the one, one with uh, Matt Damon. Who's the guy just who stop. does with Matt just Damon? Stop. Just goes, stop. How about them apples? Uh, the guy with the brown hair. Uh, ben Affleck with, with, with I'm not, Aerosmith's daughter here. and he has the little crackers. And I want to right? help you so this could end. <laughs> okay. Well, that was navel gazing in a movie format, but continue. Edit that. <laughs> no, this is phenomenal. Okay. So, so it's not until 1975 that you see like dungeon tournament board game, fantasy tournament miniatures. Wow. You know, you start to see D&D proto-esque things. And by the way, that's I did a little bit of my research and I saw that it started getting purchased in 76. So mm-hmm. before 76, they were property of someone, but then in 76 TSR bought them. T- the convention. Right. Gen Con, yeah. Gen Con became the property of TSR in 76. So did things change then in 76? Did all of a sudden it's like all of a sudden it's like AD&D instead well, um, of Dungeon? Event. No, no, I think I think that I think that it became Dungeons and Dragons in the same year that Gen Con was purchased by TSR. But like this whole time, Gen Con has been kind of run by Gygax and his local crew. Yes, and and by the way, he co-founded TSR. Right. So, and them so buying it is really Yeah, it's just it's just saying, hey, I had this group of of people that I live near and we're all enthusiastic about this convention. Now I've made a company that's going to make this game. My company has a bunch of infrastructure. 
let's just move the convention under the company. Yes. Then Gen Con has corporate sponsorship. It is sponsored by TSR. It's managed by TSR. And TSR is making the first role-playing game. You know, it's not just actors doing improv and just kind of vocalizing things. And it's not just people playing board games. It's this like meshing of the two where dice answer, you know, what actually happens. And there's a DM and all that kind of stuff. Like Dungeon Dragons is the first game that did that. And they started off with an awesome pre-built community of avid gamers doing Gen Con. I mean, like you and I have been doing this podcast. It's really interesting to see how valuable it is to already have a pre-built community when you launch something. And they launched D&D into an environment that already had a really good community that they were already big, big time players in, uh, in the wargaming community. So, uh, you know, they were set up to have at least a moderate success early on, which is great. So Gen Con happens. There's a couple of years where all they're doing is wargaming and like watching movies together and eating food together. I mean, they're just hanging out. That's all it was. It was a really teeny tiny thing. And then D&D hits the scene and really TSR is running the show at that point. They've got all the games that TSR is interested in and all the games that other people bring to the con. I think that it's really nice that Gen Con predates TSR because this isn't TSR Con. Today, it would be Paizo Con or BlizzCon or, you know, corporate entity con where the only thing you're allowed to do there is their games. So TSR runs this convention, but they don't make it so that only TSR product can be played there. They're open to other games made by other companies, which I think is really key to the success and growth of that convention. And people keeping alive dead games, people yeah. keeping alive, um, you know, homebrew kind of things that it can only be seen there. You know, yep. I've definitely sat down for, oh, I think at Origins, you know, we talked about that that first edition game where the guy had the the big dungeon. And I, I think he made it to Gen Con this year. I can't, I, I can't remember what we ended that discussion about. Yeah, no, he but, was at. He, yeah, he was yeah. at Gen Con also. And dude, that's just his love. And that's something he puts on. And this is a showcase with lots of people, just like Ryan throwing together a, um, you know, a Lego based game and bringing it there or Mm -hmm. Steve with uh, super robo rally. I mean, what a showcase. Totally. And I guess that's the way it was from the beginning. So Rich, I have a trivia question for you. Oh yes. I will get this wrong, please. What is the longest running game at Gen Con? Okay, well, it's either going to be Fight in the Skies or Naval Grazing. (laughs) (laughs) Not grazing, gazing. And I think it's Naval Gazing. Alex, how'd I do? I tricked you. Both of those games haven't been played in years at Gen Con. But the second year of Gen Con, they started playing Diplomacy. No shit. And the board game diplomacy, you can still play it at Gen Con today. And I'm assuming that it's gone as an uninterrupted event option within the Gen Con thing. Oh, rules of order. (laughs) Rules of order. (laughs) Again, dear listener, just listen for corrections, right? Just listen to what we say and wait for the correction to come because it's coming. Oh, is this the correction? Are you going to correct me? Rules of order. You have not verified that statement you just made. (laughs) You looked at the first and the last Gen Cons and matched up two games. 
you know, there was this whole lawsuit that happened in 2008. You know what I mean? Was there a Gen Con in 2008? Come on. Was there? They went into bankruptcy. Yeah, there was a Gen Con in 2008. Yes, but, yeah, I just... but you're right. You you fair fair point. I didn't actually validate that these games have been running continuously through every con. But I know that diplomacy is still played. Okay, what the other two are not? What else is played during the second one? Let's just kind of listen to that program guide real quick. All right, opening speech, auction. That doesn't count. Oh, and the Constitution meeting. So much different now than oh yeah, it's super different now. Um, There's the Constitution meeting. Oh really? There's the Napoleonic miniatures. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Fight in the skies tournament. They're not just playing fight in the skies. They've upgraded that mofo to tournament. Now, naval miniatures game, mm, still just a game, not a tournament. Yeah, not a gazing. Diplomacy tournament. First year diplomacies at Gen Con. It's a tournament. Wow. They World really War II miniatures. That's right. World War II miniatures. And then chicken dinner. Like, not just dinner, chicken dinner. I thought it was called chicken and waffles. Isn't there a game called. Pancakes I'm sure there is now. Sasquatch but... and pancakes. Is this Sasquatch and pancakes, or is, are you talking? They had a chicken dinner. Yeah, that's had, not a game. Had... That was them no. having dinner. That was them saying you're going to have dinner, and your dinner will be chicken. I wonder if it was fried. Oh, I hope so. But that's it's the pro- southerner in me. That's the yeah. It's Texas probably it's probably like broiled or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Then naval miniatures game again after chicken dinner. Oh, I can't get enough of that naval gazing. Na- naval miniatures game yet again. Supper. Do we know what it was though? I mean, was it spaghetti supper? No, no, it's just straight up supper. Was it served till served till six p.m. Cow supper. Cow no, supper. Oh, no, okay, hold up, hold up. Just so y'all know, you're thinking dinner and then supper. What the heck? Chicken dinner was served from twelve to two. Ooh, this isn't is, that an interesting change in the way we say things? That's right. And supper was served till six. That is pretty interesting because now we all just say lunch, unless that's right. maybe that's a Yankee thing and I'm not getting it right. <laughs> well, I know I think you're right. I think I think our language changed. And then diplomacy tournament second round Ooh, after supper. The people World that lived. War- <laughs> that's right. Exactly. World War II miniatures, chicken dinner the following day, Stalingrad two, which I guess is a board game. Yes, tank game. Fight in the skies tournament the final fight in the skies, you know, cause they had the tournament the first day. Now they can't, <laughs> can't have enough. Yes. Day. Yes. Can and have then, it. and then to finish it all off, Naval miniatures game. Nice. Okay. So Naval, well, it's not the right name. Yes. I think you're probably right. Diplomacy probably was there every single Gen Con. <laughs> and I'm just going to go with that. And I'm going to say that to people at Gen Con this year. Sweet. Sweet. And I'm going to just drop that, that, that thought bomb on them. Like it's a fact. And then I'm just going to leave them to ponder it. There we go. And See, you're, yeah, you're, you're on my side. I, I love it. Um, There's only one way to rule. <laughs> that's right. They go through this. They've got D&D now. TSR is running the show. It's a, is, this is a really unique thing. It's a corporate-sponsored event that doesn't force everybody to play the corporation's games. Like, that company's games are not the only games available. And anybody can bring any game they like, including competing games. Which... Opens the door, I think, to Gen Con becoming what it was. It, it's the yeah. it's these two things. It's got money from a company that's making money so they can invest in it and make it bigger. 
And one of the ways they did that is they did a whole bunch of Gen Cons in other places. They had Gen Con there in Wisconsin, but then they did like Gen Con UK and Gen Con West and Gen Con South because they were trying to get the name of the convention out there to let everybody know that, hey, Gen Con's this thing that you all should do. And those out there cons, those were temporary, right? They didn't keep doing that convention in those places. They like did it in those places and then said, okay, you're done. Now, if you want to do Gen Con again, you got to come back to Wisconsin. Wow. You know, that takes somebody with some uh, power to get some big loans to make that kind of stuff happen. Yeah. Uh, they're running the show. They've got all this stuff going on. They outgrow the the center right there on Lake Geneva. And they go to some university. Uh, what is it? Wisconsin Parkside. Apparently, they had some really confusing Gen Cons there where like they were one at one point they grew too big for the center. So they did the center a Playboy Mansion that was in town and what? like some other place. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Playboy, the Playboy Resort and Country Club, 1977. They had to go out there to play games. Holy smokes. That just brings a whole new playa playa thought to uh, Gen Con. They're at the Playboy <laughs> Resort. What the hell is a Playboy Resort? I don't, I think they're gone now. <laughs> I don't, I've never seen one. I have no idea what it's like. <laughs> this well, is like on. a 1970s I'm go- thing. Hey, I'm going down the rabbit hole on the internet. Talk to me later. I'm about All to right, be on you, the you, you find out about these super exclusive resorts. So after all of that stuff, they, you know, they really outgrow this little area in Wisconsin and end up going to the Milwaukee Convention Center in like 19, what is it, 1985. They moved to the Milwaukee um, Convention Center. And, you know, there's this there's this really cool thing about that. Like, I've followed a lot of conventions in, you know, anime conventions and other gaming conventions just in my life. I've always gone anime to conventions. Fest. Yeah, A-Fest and freaking little little colleges that put on conventions like AggieCon down in Texas A&M and, you know, OwlCon out in Houston and all these conventions that you and I have been to throughout the years. They're really tied to a place. You know, they don't have the power to move around. Even Acon, that's the biggest convention in Dallas, it probably can't leave Dallas because they've got so much infrastructure there. They've got so many organizers there. And it's just where they've always done it is in Dallas. Whereas Gen Con here has the power to grow beyond its britches and move to another town. And again, I think that they just had this really magical combination of you know, sponsorship and acceptance of other games and really put a lot into making it a big event and grow it, you know, time over time and make it consistently good that they just outgrew, you know, little Lake Geneva, Wisconsin and had to go to the big Milwaukee Convention Center. That was also where my Wikipedia research showed that it grew from 5,000 people to 30,000 people that was obviously and when did it leave when did it leave it leaves that convention center in like 2001 wow wow that is look at the size of that growth that is that's pretty amazing that is wow yeah so from 85 to 2001 it grew from 5,000 to 30,000 all within the milwaukee convention center man This is where my collection of old Dragon magazines comes in fun. 
Look at that. Mattel Electronics, an old D&D tabletop board game. I wonder Whoa. what the hell that was like. Let's see when this magazine was from. It was 81. So this would have been Ooh. while they were there. And depending upon which episode, which magazine, sometimes I stumble into the middle with a Gen Con. In 81, they were at the university. Oh, that's right. That was before 85. I need to learn how to do my my years. <laughs> yes. And, it's so complicated. But that's also one of the fun things about these is I'll flip through and run into Gen Con guides. I mean, I'll run into Gen Con event listings. Oh, yeah. In the middle of these books. This one doesn't have it. Darn it. I wish I would have picked a good one that had it in the middle. But that's always fun to look at the old dragons. And then they have like a Gen Con event guide right there in the middle. And dude, it all fits in like 15, 16 pages. Oh, yeah. It yeah, not a ton of go, events. Oh, my God. How crazy is that compared to yeah. today? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. There's, there's no event portal because you just showed up. And that was like one of the other crazy things is that I, I assume that in the Milwaukee Convention Center, they just, you know, if you wanted to go to an event, you just showed up. You know, you stood in line and waited for your event to happen. You know, I hate to say that I've seen it before in a few of my magazines. I can't find one right now. I should have got one ready. But I could have swore you checked off what you wanted to do, you put it in an envelope, and you mailed it. Oh. How about that? You mailed in. What you? How in the hell did they handle if too many people wanted to play something? I know. Did they just like say, oh, we have four tables worth of this thing. We got to make sure we have that many DMs. I don't know, dude. I'm now going to go to the internets. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe, maybe you just fever dreamed the whole thing. (laughs) Maybe I did as I was jonesing before the hotel registration, (laughs) praying to Jesus I got a room and I had a crazy dream about it. Okay, I'm just nuts. Dear listener, if you continue listening for a correction, you will not get one. All right, there we go. All right. So I think that when it moves from Lake Geneva area to, the big convention center in Milwaukee, we start to see Gen Con shift, right? Like it's already been a big time D and D thing and a big time war gaming thing, but I think it starts to take on more games, you know, board gaming is in there and all that kind of stuff. But this is really when the card games start to come in. And the big one that hit of course was magic. The gathering. What's that? Yeah. What's that? (laughs) Just the biggest card game ever. Like magic is now so big that people who win magic, the gathering tournaments move into poker so they can continue to make money at cards. <laughs> and like, they're really high performing poker players. Like they're no, no bullshit. I think that gen, I think that magic is actually launched at gen con. I think that this was during the, the heyday when people would bring their games to launch them at gen con. Wow. Right. And you think about how magical is that for TSR? Other companies bring their product to TSR's convention to unveil it to the world. And I don't know. It's just kind of magical that like Magic the Gathering and a bunch of other really amazing games were all launched at Gen Con. Like even freaking my latest edition of Legend of the Five Rings, the starter set was launched at Gen Con last year. You know, like just it's just where you go to to put your game into the world. You know, and and this is not a correction. This would this be an errata? Would I be adding mm-hmm. to your comment that sure. Magic the Gathering was first presented 
to the general public at Gen Con in August 1993, and the game proved extremely popular, selling out Alpha. Think of all the Black Lotuses that went out that that that, that day or that couple days. Yeah. Ooh, Alpha Black Lotuses, Alpha Moxes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take long for Magic to become like the game. Like I remember picking it up in like 95 with the revised edition. I think it was 95. And by then, like I, w- I was a little kid in freaking Mesquite, Texas. Like that's how quick it went from center of adult gaming nerdery at Gen Con to little kids in Mesquite, Texas, picking up packs of cards for all their lunch money, you know? Yes. And so they blow up their huge wa- Wizards of the Coast becomes giant. TSR is starting to flounder, you know, second edition hasn't, has kind of run its course. There's really not anything new for second edition. And it's just like, I don't know, TSR was really starting to flounder. And so, you know, Wizards of the Coast offered basically to pick up TSR and take care of the company that inspired them in the first place. Wow. So TSR gets bought by Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast takes on Gen Con. You know, at that time, it was probably funded by the most well-funded gaming company on the planet. The only way I could play a correction on that statement would be someone like Milton Bradley. But they're, they're a gaming company, but they're not a gaming company. How do you mean? Well, Milton Bradley making all those board games for families. Oh, I see what you're saying. So they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The family board game versus the hardcore gamer. Yeah, yeah. So I could play around and say, okay, maybe Milton was a little more, but they weren't the thumb or the pulse of the gaming community. They were hashing out the same things for every Christmas, making up new (laughs) versions of the games that had a different little slap, you know, slap. I remember the first Star Wars Milton Bradley game I had. Terrible. Yeah. But, you know, they just slap some, uh, what do you call it when you get someone's licensing? Yeah, you get the licensing, you slap a game out. Yeah. So Watsy's running the show. Milwaukee eventually runs out of space. They run out of hotel rooms. They run out of convention space. They got to go from 30 to 60, baby. Exactly. You got to find a place that's going to do better. And really, it seemed like Milwaukee was just not willing to invest in more infrastructure and hotels around the convention center because, you know, a 30,000 person convention just wasn't enough for them to get up out of bed. You know, it just wasn't enough for them to do anything special. And I don't know where this gets at, but somewhere on the Wikipedia, someone has put in this sentence. The convention moved to Indianapolis in 2003. Peter Atkinson attributed the move to the lack of hotel space, the convention center layout, and frequently broken escalators. Seriously? (laughs) Frequently (laughs) broken escalators makes the list of reasons why to move? I, I, I can only imagine the the weight of the hate mail. Because back then it was snail mail and maybe a couple oh, of the, Oh, the snail mail hate. Yeah. I mean, they probably just had bags of mail complaining about the escalators. Like, all right, well, if this bag is heavy enough to break an escalator, we don't come back to your city. <laughs> so I don't know. Like you were talking about infrastructure, right? And that right. was the first thing I thought of when you said that. I go, oh, dude, Dave just hit the nail on the head. Because that escalator comment wasn't really just about escalators. Right. It was about stinky bathrooms. It was yeah. about five other things that they right. weren't 
doing for them. And the right. escalators were the straw that broke the camel's back. And I know that feeling because I go and do things. And there's like one thing that happens over and over. And I'm like, I'm never coming back to Burger King again. Dude, well, I mean, okay, when um, Akon was in the Sheridan Hotel in Dallas, that escalator broke every year. And dude, it was the one escalator and everybody complained. It was like critical to the whole where you're going in the convention. So like a busted escalator in the wrong place is kind of a deal breaker. And, you know, they were in no hurry to repair it because it was just going to get abused all weekend. Oh, so they were like, oh, yeah. oh, let it break. And then those yeah. stairs are bigger than regular stairs. They yeah. got like, oh, oh, yeah, as you're it, tripping, oh. you got all your stuff on you. Yeah, no. Like God, the broken escalator thing, that's a legit. <laughs> okay, so two important things happen. One, Milwaukee is too small. Indiana, Indianapolis is a good place to go, but Wizards of the Coast is done running the show. Because... I think at the same time Hasbro bought Wizards of the Coast and was like, yeah, no, we need to get rid of all this weird stuff. We need the card game. We need the Pokemons. And we need to get rid of all this weird stuff. (laughs) Well, let's look at at the bottom line here. Um, I just came over from Milton Bradley, and I'm looking at the bottom line. (laughs) And it says you're making money on these games. And what's this fruity beholder shit? What's What's a beholder? Well, it ain't making me any money. Get rid of it. <laughs> so the bean counter showed up, is what you're saying. Yeah. So the founder of Wizards of the Coast, Peter Atkin- Atkinson, uh-huh. yeah. founder of Wizards, purchases Gen Con and makes Gen Con LLC. And its only job is to run now by far the biggest gaming convention in the world. Oh, it has to be. Please, someone correct us. They're, they're just, they're, even now, it's the biggest gaming convention. I don't think there's a bigger yeah. convention anywhere else in the world. Maybe yeah. in the universe, but not in the world. Yeah. <laughs> On another planet in a galaxy far, far away. That's right. <laughs> Freaking Luke and Leia are hanging out playing mazes and monsters. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if any of you guys are listening to this, beam me up. That's right. Yeah. Get me out of here. So we moved to Indianapolis at 30,000 attendees and doubles it, right? Is that not And crazy? we get, we, Gen Con has completely changed. It used to be a wargaming only con. And then it was basically a D&D con with other role-playing games smattered in. And then, now, dude, if you count the number of, of attendees coming here for magic events, dude, it's a Magic the Gathering con. When it comes to, like, just raw numbers of people, uh, kind of wins of all the other events. But there's so many events that I go all convention long, I never see a Magic player. That's how big Gen Con is. It's because their big frontline game, I don't even see. And I'm all over the thing. Like, I'm all over the convention. Like, I know that they're over there in that one hall. And I can see them if I glance that direction. But I don't gotta. They're not in my way. You know? It's just, like, huge. It's not like guys are all over the hallways throwing down cards. (laughs) To where, yeah, you just don't don't see that as much. You know what I mean? The board game. and, And just like role play. People could, if they never get over to the JW, right? So if you don't ever go over there, you could say, hey, I don't see any D&D people. Oh, right. no, there's that big dragon when you get off the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of D&D stuff just out in front. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But dragons are dragons are in, oh, they're are in, in all these games now. Yeah, they are. But, yeah, but you know, okay. So uh, the, part of the like impetus for me making this episode was there's a ton of phenomenal conventions out there. 
there are, you know, local regional gaming cons all over the place. There's role-playing cons. There's other nerdery cons. I don't think that another convention can't even hope to achieve what Gen Con has achieved. Because, like, even Origins is really big. Dude, they're not, they're not owned and operated by Paizo. And PaizoCon only lets you play Paizo games at it. You know, BlizzCon only lets you play Blizzard games at it. And I'm picking on BlizzCon because I got buddies that go there. And I don't know about Fantasy Flight. Everybody goes up there up north to play in the, in their oh, yeah. convention. Yeah. But I, I think yeah. it is just Fantasy Flight games. Isn't Absolutely. It? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Worlds Worlds at Fantasy Flight is all of their games playing all of their big okay. worldwide tournaments. And it's only Fantasy Flight stuff. And if any of those companies wanted their convention to be open to all games, they would probably find success for the convention but maybe not success for themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the deal is that like, you know, I really would love it if the Midwest gaming con here in Kansas city was bigger. It would be awesome if it took up enough to do more than just a tiny little hotel and a couple of ballrooms. It just isn't, it's not gonna because it doesn't have that sponsorship. It doesn't have that, that, you know, big giant engine of TSR and then taken over by the big giant engine of Wizards of the Coast to make it the gaming convention, even when it's maybe losing money for a couple of those years. There's so much history and lore and there's so much um, just magic around Gen Con. Yeah, it is in a very friendly city now. Oh my gosh, you're right. I like to go hit the bars and everyone is super nice because you run into locals here and there. Absolutely. And, and really what, what tells me that, that Gen Con is going to stay in Indianapolis for a while longer is Indianapolis continues to build out new hotels, add to the convention mm-hmm. space. They're going to do, I think, two or three new hotels now are already in the works. So, I mean, they're doing what they need to in order to keep Gen Con and other events like it continuously looking at Indianapolis as the place to be for a, a non-coastal convention destination wow did you have to look that word up yeah no yeah that's a very good definition a non-coastal yeah convention location and it's not vegas that's the yeah that's the important thing of the midwest is that it, it allows it means that both coasts can get there and that's one of the big reasons why orlando and vegas just aren't options for gen con unless it does what the professional conventions do which is flip-flop between the two sites every year so that they serve the west coast one year and the east coast the next and the middle you know the middle of the country just has to pick which one they're going to go to wow that's a really good point and did you know gen con's or indianapolis convention center's last expansion was in 2011 so i mean that that wasn't that far ago you know 2011 was just around the corner man when they did their they completed their last major expansion that is a commitment to really growing a location to accommodate 60,000 geeks. Yeah. And they're going to do more. They, they've already got it on the schedule to do even more convention <gasps> center expansion David, with more ballrooms and all that stuff. What? David, if you listen long enough, we'll get to all of our corrections. The convention features a large exhibit hall filled with game publishers, artists, related businesses, wherein most attendees spend at least $100. The only game to be on the event schedule every year since the convention's inception is Fight in the Skies. No! Uh, Boom! No! Later later renamed Dawn Patrol. Bitches! Okay. Okay. Right there on the Wikipedia. That can't be wrong. Wikipedia is never wrong. I, I... Are you challenging that ruling on the field? 
I say that they tricked me with changing the name. Yes. I, I, I might challenge the, 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 the rule on the field. You change the name. It's not the same game. But I, it, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll concede that I was wrong. And he's going to edit all this out, people. He's just doing this to appease me. And then I'll listen to the podcast and it'll be like, oh, David, you didn't have me throwing down the gauntlet on you, did you? I would never do that, Rich. That's right. That's what happens. Only I do it every time. (laughs) I'm sitting here like twiddling editing knobs right now while you're doing internet research correcting me. Love the minutes. Okay, I'm sorry. I got us off track. I apologize. No, dude, that was that was glorious. That was beautiful. And yeah. you know, I would have I would have totally gone into bliss ignorance, thinking that oh, diplomacy was the one that's been the longest running. Just listen but long enough. We correct ourselves always. Fight in the skies. Fight in the skies. And you can tell it's a really popular game. They played it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Dawn Patrol. That's right. Oh man. So, ladies and gentlemen. You you heard it here first. If you want to get a taste of what the first Gen Con was like, go play Fight in the Skies, Dawn Patrol. That's right. That's a really... I need to sign up for that this year. Heck yeah. Holy smokes. That's a great idea, Dave. I can walk in and just throw down my airplane and be like, I'm playing in the longest running game at Gen Con right now. And everyone else will be like, oh, really? And I'll just bust some knowledge on them. Oh, you know you know that there's going to be an old timer going, I ran the first game. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> that would be uh, awesome. Now, you know, to keep up all this fun shenanigans of talking about Gen Con, is there anything planned, Dave? Yeah. We've been talking a lot about this idea of side shelf gaming, where we do kind of a side topic. And I think it'd be just awesome to bring on some folks that we brought on in the past and past guests and just have them talk to us real quick. Why Gen Con? What do you love about it? So you mean I can talk about my favorite game? I can talk about sure. a funny event that happened. Uh-huh. I, can, I can talk about what really inspires me to go back to Gen Con every year. You know, we asked that question a lot during the episodes, but I feel like if we just said, hey, we just want to focus on that answer, we'll get something a little bit more complete. Boy, Dave, how much of a time commitment would I have to make to do that? Not much. Maybe 10 minutes. Oh, so these would be like mini podcasts. Yeah, little mini episodes, 10, 20 minutes. If we get two people to answer that question, I think uh, I think we'll wrap it up in 10, 10 or 20 minutes. So if anybody's listening to this now and would like to come on High Shelf Gaming Podcast, just DM David and let him know about your interest and we'll have you on. And we would love to hear your stories about some funny thing that happened, some inspir- inspirational thing that happened, or, or just maybe why you, you love Gen Con. And then yeah. we can kind of package that up and share it with the community. Yeah, absolutely. You can find us at High Shelf Gaming on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Hit us up in any of those places. Send me a message. And if you just have, you know, something about Gen Con you want to share with us, um, we'd love to record it and put it out there into the wild. It'd be a lot of fun. That sounds like a great idea, Dave. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. I am super jazzed about Gen Con 2019. We are running events this year. We're playing in events. We're going to be running around doing all kinds of stuff. It's going to be Freaking awesome. I'm really glad we got to kind of do this dive into the history of the of the convention. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Very interesting, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone at home, thanks a ton for listening. As always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. 
Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Oh, let's do a mic check for you real quick. Yes, let me put on my Audi Mawaji. Let me put on my NPR, um, Audi Mawaji with NPR. We're starting <laughs> our fall fundraiser. If everybody will just mail David a dollar, we can raise $40,000 from each of our listeners. <laughs> All 40,000 of you just send $1 to P.O. Box F.U. <laughs> Got lost in the mail, David. I don't know what happened with that oh. with that address you you listed, but it was uh, dicey. All right, that's like when I, I love being behind the big trucks that have like that one eight hundred eat shit as their <laughs> call. If so, call if call <laughs> you know if I'm driving bad, one eight hundred eat shit. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some poor business that ended up with that number. <laughs> <laughs> there's some poor fetish business that Ooh. ended up with that number. <laughs> I'm sure there is. <laughs> there probably is. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's do this for real. <laughs>